Hi, my name is Yasmin Terehi, and this is Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness, well-being, and spirituality. Today's episode is how to be a conscious male in today's world. And on this episode, we'll be featuring our guest, Mike Sagoon. He's a men's coach and everyman facilitator. He has a somatic approach to coaching clients and focuses on helping men develop emotional awareness. Mike also guides men out of their heads and into their bodies. He's from San Francisco, shout out to San Franciscans, now living full-time in San Miguel de Ande, Mexico with his husband, Jerry, and his pit bull, Bert. I couldn't be more excited to welcome Mike. I actually spent some time with him a couple months ago in Mexico, and he's a phenomenal human. I'm really, really excited to have him on the show. Welcome, Mike. Yay! (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It's so great to be on your podcast. I really appreciate this opportunity. Oh, of course, of course. And Mike, so you've been a leader in the men's work movement for a very long time, and you also facilitate many retreats with every man. Can you tell us what drew you to this type of work and also tell folks what every man is? Yeah, great. So um, I was about hmm, seven years into my career at a corporate organization. And I was working deeply in communities around Northern California, helping young people and communities make healthier decisions for their lives. Um, And we did that through theater. And um, part of this program, it was a multi-interventional program. Um, There's an opportunity for uh, the young people to come up to us and have one-on-ones with us and talk to us about what was happening in their lives. And I had one young woman. Uh, She was probably 12 years old or so. And after we had presented them um, our show, she walked up to me and confided in me in some really deep and dark things that were happening in her life. And now I've been working with young people for, at this point, for seven years. And I had been I had seen many students like this young woman um, come to me. Um, But there's something about her story that really clicked for me. Um, I am a sexual abuse survivor. Um, She had confided in me as um, being raped by an uncle, a close family member in her life for um, seven years. And um, something about her, her parents were immigrants, just like my parents. Um, And there's something about her story that really opened up my heart and started to wonder, where the heck are all the adults at for this young person? This young person sees adults every single day, five days a week at least, and multiple adults every single day. And why am I the first person that she's talked to about what all these things, these abuses that she's experienced? And that made me really land on my next purpose in life. Um, I started to realize that, wow, there are a lot of hurt young people in our world today. And there are also a lot of hurt adults in our world today. And so I really started to question what that what that meant for me. Um, I suffered through several traumas in my life. Uh, my parents getting a divorce, um, being sexually abused, several car crashes, um, and also the trauma that comes from being a closeted young gay man in a very conservative and strict, almost cult-like 
uh, religion. And um, I knew that uh, I needed more adults. I knew that there's there were a, there were a lot more adults out there that need help. And so um, I was lucky enough to have several mentors in my life who knew my story, who took time out of their day to take me under their wing and care for me and tell me that they loved me. And, um, and that really inspired me to do the same for adults in this world. Um, in 2017, I gave a TED Talk about um, the ACE study, the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study, which was done by Kaiser Permanente and the CDC. And the study found that um, young people that suffered four or more traumas in their life are likely to basically have early death, to have unhealthy relationships, to have severe health problems, to have mental health illness, um, to be obese, and then all of these slews of um, basically chronic stress, uh, everything that leads to chronic stress. And uh, the study also found that one trusted adult in a young person's life can change the entire trajectory of this child's life. And so after that TED Talks, I was like, wow, I think I found my next purpose. My next purpose is to help adults. And I didn't really know what that looked like, but I got into coaching school and my coach was like, what do you want to do? And at the time I was reading all of these statistics around men's mental health, around loneliness, around suicide, um, around domestic abuse. And finally just clicked and through coaching and through work, I landed on, I create safe spaces for men to think deeply about themselves and to live authentically. And it was at that point I started to realize and I started to move towards this purpose. I didn't really know what men's work was at the time. I didn't really know what Mankind Project was at the time. Every man was just a brand new baby uh, company. I think they had just done a couple of retreats. And so um, I didn't really have that many resources. And so I started to do my own thing. I started creating men's groups around the Bay Area. I started producing and facilitating my own men's retreats. Um, and it was powerful, powerful work. I would sometimes gather 45 guys in my living room, 45 guys in my living room in <laughs> Oakland, and we would just talk and talk and talk. And guys would share their experiences. And guys would leave this two-hour session feeling so excited about their life. Um, and at the time, it wasn't coaching or group coaching. It wasn't even men's group. It wasn't even like the way that I would run a men's group today. It was just a space for guys to just talk. Um, and so that led me to go deeper into men's work. Um, I found out about every man through a coaching friend. And um, I went to my first retreat and it felt like home. Um, despite being the only openly gay man and one of three men of color at this retreat of 60 plus guys, um, I still felt like I was at home and it felt safe for me. And so I started to dive deeper into the everyman methodology. Um, and I really loved the everyman methodology because it was so simple. It was so, so simple. It was, it's basically rock which stands for relax, open, and connect. And the model stands for when we can relax our bodies, when we can slow down into our bodies and allow ourselves to feel the physical sensations that come up for us, we then can start to open ourselves up to be vulnerable 
And from that vulnerable place, we start to develop and build a connection with ourselves and also with other people around us. And so every man is um, a men's organization. It is a men's organization that helps men heal from the bottom up. Um, it is a science-based, data-driven organization where we um, look at what's happening um, with our data and we're applying that into our practices. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call us a spiritual organization. However, there are some spiritual practices that we do. Meditation is a, um, a foundation of what we do in our groups. We make sure that we are in this place of groundedness uh, or in this place of getting into our bodies so that we can then start to connect with each other on a deeper level. And um, every man and myself are on a mission to impact the lives of a million men in this world. Wow, Mike. I mean, so much to unpack there. First of all, thank you so much for your <laughs> vulnerability and just transparency with the journey that you've been on and what catalyzed that journey. I think that's uh, such a powerful mission. And also, you know, the evolution of where you started and where you are today. So thank you so much for that. I think this work is so incredibly mm -hmm. important, especially if we look at the stats of the violence created in the world, which is highly skewed mm -hmm. towards men. So there's something, you know, about being a man in today's world that is not working for men um, who don't have an right. outlet, right? Yeah, wow. Um, can you talk a little bit about... Uh, every man and actually like the process of how it works when you're in the circle with other men. What do you guys talk about? Mm -hmm. If you can, I don't know if it's, if you're not allowed to, but <laughs> if you can, if you can share that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't, I won't break any confidentiality. One of, one of the agreements that we have in our groups and in our organization is that we are, we only have permission to speak about our own experience um, and we actually encourage that, right? Part of the integration here, part of the work here is talking about the things that we're doing in our personal life or in our personal growth so that other people can hear it with us and hold that with us and create the space for that with us. And so I'm not breaking any confidentiality here. I'll speak from my own experience. Um, so right now we're virtual. <laughs> we're mostly virtual because of the pandemic. Um, but uh, many of our men now in our organization are meeting virtually online. And um, what group looks like is it is a an hour and a half to three hour group that consists of um, six to ten guys in the group that week that meets weekly. Um, and these are guys that you see every single week. Um, and this is important because when, one, uh, I believe that many guys don't feel safe around other guys who speak their truth and speak the unspeakables and speak from, this, from their heart. Um, and so when we create a space where guys get to know each other and get to know each other on this intimate level, it creates trust. And when we create trust in the group, guys can do deeper work. They can get more work in. And so uh, um, our guys are in groups meet weekly for an hour and a half to three hours. And it's really simple. The work is really simple. We start off with agreements. Um, we reiterate what the agreements are of the group. Um, and then we slow down our bodies. Uh, and this is 
peer led, it's co led by everyone in the group. So everyone has an opportunity to step into their leadership and lead a meditation or facilitate the group. Um, and we do about five to 10 minutes of meditation. And this is important for us because, um, especially with statistics around chronic stress and how many people are experiencing chronic stress today. Um, which leads to, of course, early death um, and also unhealthy relationships. Um, it's important for us to get ourselves from the sympathetic state, this fight or flight state, into the parasympathetic, which is rest and restore. It is in this place, the rest and restore, uh, where we can create. Um, it can, this is also the place where we can start to uh, loosen the tension in our body and start getting curious about what we're holding back and then allowing ourselves and giving ourselves permission to let it out, to speak it in front of other guys so that we can get some help or um, we can get some healing done in this space. Um, and so once we slow down, once we get ourselves into parasympathetic, we start to see guys open up a little more. Um, perhaps they, um, can feel the sadness that they've been feeling all day, but haven't haven't given themselves the space to feel it. Or perhaps they they finally shine a light on that anger that they've been feeling all week, and finally they're allowing themselves to open it, uh, open themselves up to it, and look at it and observe it, and then speak from it. Um, and after we slow down. Uh, we get into some check-ins and we have two rounds of check-ins, sometimes three. That first round check-in, we are, it's very simple and dry. We check in with our physical body. A lot of our work is based in somatics and somatics basically just means in the body. Um, and if you're curious about somatics work, look into P Dr. Peter Levine or Bessel van der Kolk. Um, their work really talks about healing traumas from the bottom up approach from the body first. Uh, and so in our first round check-in, we name and label and connect to the physical sensations that we're feeling in our body right now. So if I were to give you an example right now, I can feel my feet flat planted flat on my floor. I can feel vibrations coming up and down, um, my, my elbow to my pinky. I can feel my chest is is tight and I can feel a shallow breath. And so this just allows me to get present with my body. Presence in being in the body is practicing presence. Your body is never in the future. It's never in the past. It's right here in this moment. And so we can tap into the present by tapping into our body. Then we get into the emotions that we might be feeling right now. And these emotions can range from joy to anger to, to shame. And it could have a mixture of all of these things. So right now, what I'm feeling is I'm feeling nervousness. I'm feeling excitement. I'm also feeling calm and grounded. And I can feel all of these things at the same time. And so when we um, label these and we allow ourselves to speak it, we can then start to get more present with where we are right now in this moment. And so that's really important for us in our group is where are you right now in this moment? Where can you share or how can you share from this place in this moment? And so uh, after everyone gets a voice and they get to share their first round check-ins, we get into a deeper second round check-in. And this is an opportunity for guys to go deeper with what they're feeling right now. And, um, 
There is nothing that is not acceptable in this share. Everyone, every man in this circle has the ability at their choice to speak from the places that might feel hurt, that might feel pain, but also the parts of their places, uh, the the places in, in their body where they might even feel joy or excitement or love and gratitude. And so there's nothing that is unacceptable here. I think sometimes we can get this idea that men's group is about sharing our deepest and our hardest <laughs> and our and our deepest secrets. And it's not always about that. It can be, absolutely. However, we also want to create the space for guys to celebrate what's happening in their lives so that we can start to create what we want in our lives. Um, and if there's time, we go into a third round check-in for guys to go deeper, and then we end our group. Um, we check in with ourselves again and we notice what has shifted in our bodies and in our hearts. Um, and then we end the group and we go back to our lives. Wow. That's really powerful, Mike. And I think what's interesting is a lot of times in culture where, you know, we're able to talk about what we think, but not how we feel. And I think that that's especially Mm. so in the West, right? It's just like, we know what we think, but we don't actually know what's happening in our body and what the triggers are. And so I love that you're holding this space and providing a language really um, to express and understand the emotional world um, and the somatic world. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The thing that really pops up for me right now is like, I think we as men and, and I know women like this too, they, we are fixers. We want to get things right. We want to figure out, okay, what is happening in this body? What is this anxiety that I'm feeling? Okay. I got to get rid of it right now. What can I do to get rid of it? And something that I land on, something that I, one of my mantras, it's something that I heard from Dan Doty, who is the co-founder of Everyman. It is that we don't have to understand something to experience it. So we don't have to understand our emotions to experience our emotions. And what that really comes down to for me is that when I'm feeling anxiety feelings or when I'm feeling overwhelming feelings or when I'm feeling anger, it isn't important for me to try to understand where it's coming from. What's more important is for me to actually feel it all the way through to complete the cycle of the anxiety, to complete the cycle of the anger, or even complete the cycle of the excitement, allow my body to really feel into it. Because that is where our bodies start to notice, oh, okay, that feels good. Now I can release this emotion. Now I can let my body get rid of it so that I can make more room in my body for elevated emotions that I want, like gratitude and joy. Wow. So powerful. And you mentioned uh, a book by, uh, what's his name? Basil, what's his name again? Basil van der Kolk. Basil van der Kolk. And it's called The Body Keeps the Score, which uh, for those who have not read it, they should absolutely go read it. Uh, It's kind of mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. And Mike, I'm curious if you could share some of the themes that you've seen in these coaching sessions. Obviously, you know, you don't have to disclose anything personal, but Mm -hmm. maybe common themes that keep showing up and even just beyond every man, um, the one-on-one coaching that you do, I'm sure that you're seeing a lot of similarities in culture. And so, Yeah. yeah, I'm just curious what comes up again and again. Yeah. So some common themes in my one-on-one coaching practice, um, are, 
I get a lot of guys who have checked off all the boxes in their life. They've got their college degree. They landed the big job. They got all the promotions. They have their family. They have the house. They have the car. And they checked off everything that they believed that they needed to get done in order for them to feel satisfaction in their life. And they are at the point in their life where they have all the things that they desired and that they work towards and are still feeling empty inside. They still lack meaning in their life. They still don't feel any resonance or satisfaction in their lives. And so they come to me asking for help. And what that really, what, what I look at, when I look at that, what, it, what I see is there's a lack of connection with what they truly desire as men in their heart. And many of us men truly desire connection, which leads me to the, the next common theme that I see in my coaching clients, which is loneliness. Many men that I work with are lonely and they used to have a great set of brothers in college. And over time, naturally, those connections started to get the gap between the gap between those connections started to get wider. And they're in their the time in their life where they don't really know who they can lean on except for their partners. And that feels lonely for them. And in that place of loneliness, a lot of the guys that I um, see or that hire me feel a lack of energy where they used to have, they used to find, have this motivation. They used to have this purpose to do something in their life, the purpose to get that promotion, a purpose to marry their partner, a purpose to have kids and be a father, to earn a living and make good money. And now that everything's been checked off, there's no purpose in their life and they lack the energy to get out of bed. And sometimes that manifests in depression that it might even manifest in chronic stress or anxiety and overwhelm or burnout. And so I, I help guys um, observe these feelings that they have and then feel these feelings that they have so that those feelings can cycle through. And I would say that uh, many of the guys, many guys that come to every man um, have a similar experience in their life. Um, where they uh, lack friendships, they lack community, they feel lonely in their life, um, they lack meaning in their life, they lack a sense of purpose in their life, and they want a group of brothers to hold them accountable, to uh, help them um, in their lives and provide a space for this man to lean on them. Wow. And Mike, I'm also curious, the caricature, like the the type of persona of the person that you work with, because I imagine that uh, folks who are maybe older and less open to exposing and talking about their emotional world might be more difficult to deal with. So I'm also wondering like what that experience is like for you as the observer. Do you notice that there are, um, there's kind of something about the age difference in men and how they are able to open up or is that not the case? Yeah. So, um, the, my main demographic for my coaching clients are ages 26 to 45. Um, and I've had as young as 23 year olds, um, and as old as 65 year olds as coaching clients, um, in, in our everyman community, I mean, the age ranges from 18 to eighties, it ranges. Um, I would say that 
the men that come to me and come to every man, they all have the desire to open up more. Um, I don't know if I have noticed a difference in the ability to open up or like how facile they are opening up and how quick they are able to open up, um, on, uh, based on age, age, uh, differences. Um, but I would say that we provide spaces so that guys can step into this place of openness and vulnerability on their own time. Um, and so, so for some guys that, it looks like it might take a few sessions with me for them to open up uh, in, in our in our men's group setting. Um, guys that hire me, they're they're absolutely willing to open up. They, you know, we're doing work. They're hiring me for a reason, <laughs> and so they got to play they got to play the game too, you know. And if they there's a reason why they're hiring me, and I make I make it clear that this is a space where we're going to do some deep work, and sometimes that looks like um, answering some really hard questions to answer. Um, about their lives and about the hurts and pains that they've experienced. Wow. And Mike, speaking about questions, what are some of the most like life-changing questions when you are working <clears throat> with clients? Like what have you what have you seen are questions that uh, create, you know, some aha or shift in awareness? Yeah. So the number one question, that I ask is, and it's so simple. Again, this, this work is just so simple, it's, but it takes a lot of courage to do this work and ask these questions is what do you feel? And, um, that's so different from how are you, how are you doing? What do you feel is directive? It is, it is directed in the body and it also allows the person to uh, develop an emotional vocabulary to ask themselves, what is it that I'm actually feeling right now? And sometimes guys don't have the emotional vocabulary to expand and put a label on what they're feeling. So we go straight to the body. What do you feel in your body? That's the second question that I ask. Um, and for me, it's like, I, what am I feeling in my body? I'm feeling a pressure in my chest. And then the next question I would ask is, if that pressure could talk, what would that pressure say? And my pressure right now would probably say there's nervousness, um, there is anxiety, uh, there is um, I'm putting myself out there, so there's vulnerability. And so then we start to open up what our body is actually saying. And, and because these, these questions are so simple and concise, it makes it easier for us men and or people to drop out of our heads and into our bodies. And it comes to this place of feeling rather than thinking and fixing. It goes to this place of experiencing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of people don't have the vocabulary and I can't remember where I read this, but there's like a list of feelings, like feelings and emotions that uh -huh. you can draw from when you need to mm -hmm. label what it is that you're feeling. Because I think that's also difficult for a lot of people when we're not used to expressing ourselves in that way. Um, you know, it's just interesting to just see like the, the range of feelings that we could be feeling. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and if you, if, if your audience members are curious about the range of emotions that we experience, the Gottman's Institute has a really wonderful emotional wheel. Um, and then also Eve Ekman and Paul Ekman, um, based out of the Bay Area, actually have the Atlas of Emotions. And those are really wonderful resources to develop an emotional vocabulary. 
Wow. Okay. We'll add those to the show notes. Thank you. Michael, what are some of the biggest breakthroughs that you've seen as a lead facilitator for every man or maybe in your one-on-one coaching? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I was actually, that's funny you asked me that because uh, I feel like I was asked, maybe you asked me that the last time that we were here, (laughs) uh, last we hung out. Um, But I think, you know, you know, for us men, um, we have a we have cultural conditioning that teaches us that intimacy equates to weakness or homosexuality or being gay. And um, you know, it is a human need for us to be held. It is a human need for us to feel connection, like literally feel intimacy and affection on our body. And um a lot of the guys that I see and a lot of the guys that come to our men's retreats, they unconsciously hold tension in their body. That's what chronic stress does. We hold tension in our body and people are tight. And this sometimes when we have this, this tension in our body, sometimes it makes it really difficult for us to access the emotion and to open that up. And so in my one-on-one sessions where we are in person or when we are in retreats, um, sometimes guys go through some really huge breakthroughs just by allowing another person or me hold them. There is this man um, who was, and I'm not saying any names here, so we're not breaking any confidentiality, but there is this man who was feeling so much fear in his life around um, um, doing the right thing. I need to do the right thing for my family. And I'm not sure he gets paralyzed with doing the right thing and becomes there's decision fatigue because he's not sure if they're, if he's, if he's making the right decisions to support his family, to be the best father, to be the best husband. Um, and I just noticed in his body that he was holding his shoulders up high, close to his ears. And I just came up to him and I just put my shoulders on his, my hands on his shoulders. And I just asked them, can I, do you mind if I press and hold your shoulders for you? And everything that we do is under consent, of course. Um, And he said, yes. And the minute that he was able to release his shoulders with my hands on top of him, he allowed his body just to surrender. And it was that surrendering that he was allowed, that he gave himself permission to just let go and feel all of the fear that he was feeling. And what naturally what happens in that fear is we shake. Um, and many of us have experienced that when we cry, our bodies want to shake. Um, and so his body was just shaking. And I, I asked him if he can allow himself just to shake, just to let his body do what it needed to do. And I held him there with my hands on his shoulders for five to 10 minutes while his body just processed this emotion. And, yo, it was like, it was like a, like a, like a lightning bolt just hit his body. All of a sudden his body stood up, his spine went erect, his chin met the horizon in front of him. And he was like, whoa, what the hell was that? (laughs) It's like he got lost in this trance of feeling. He got lost in feeling this fear. Um, and he was brought um, into his body. And what, what was really happening was his body was creating new neural pathways to say that, like, okay, cool. Like, this is shaking. This is fear. This is you processing this emotion. Okay, cool. This is safe. Okay, cool. I feel really safe to shake and do this. And because he felt safe to shake, he was a lot, he, he was then completing the emotion of fear. 
Um, and that created space in his body that created himself to open up. It created himself to, it created this space for him to, to sit upright again, to, to, to have his shoulders back down to his, his belly and his chin up high. Um, but so I've experienced many breakthroughs like that where guys just really just surrender their bodies and can feel the, the shifts and the weight just literally release and come off their bodies. Mm, wow. So powerful. I'm just imagining it in my mind. And I heard this quote once, I don't know who said it, but it was basically a feeling cannot end unless it begins. So in order for us to move through it, yeah, we have to actually feel it rather than suppressing it, which I think a lot of people right now are doing. So that's really powerful. Mike, how have things changed since the start of the pandemic? And how do you think things are going to continue to change and shift right now as you're doing the men's work? And also, what have you noticed um, has been, you know, kind of like a transformation in the groups that you've been in with this pandemic, I think a lot of people have really uh, shifted their lives. So yeah, I'm curious how that's affected your work. Yeah. So men's work, men's groups, men's organizations has been um, growing and developing, I wouldn't say in the last five years, really quickly. Um, and Mankind Project was is probably like one of the older men's um, organizations in America, and they came about around the 80s and 90s. Um, and I would say in the last 10 years, there have been more smaller men's groups that have been popping up. And right when the pandemic hit, we were starting before that, we were starting to see this big, larger conversation around toxic masculinity and the Me Too movement. And so, and it, and um, masculinity started to become mainstream and toxic masculinity started to become a buzzword in our culture. And so more and more um, people were exploring what these toxic masculine behaviors were and that played right into the Me Too movement. And so guys were already starting to hear language around masculinity and also what it means to be a man and also to get some help um, and to really own and accept the damage that's being done um, by men in this world and the hurt that hurt men cause in this world. And so uh, right when the pandemic hit, um, I think what, what we started to see was more and more men were isolated and alone. And um, they were literally in their homes by themselves with no one to talk to, no in-person, human-to-human connection. And I think that woke a lot of men up. It um, Loneliness started to uh, really become something that guys were starting to accept in their lives. And I think I started to see an increase in guys asking for help um, around summer of 2020 um, to a point where I had to put a wait list on my um, coaching roster because I was getting so many guys that wanted help. Uh, we started to see a huge increase on our virtual platform with Everyman um, because we were providing these spaces for guys to just talk and be in community with other men. So I did notice a, a big uptick in men um, get, gathering and gaining the courage to ask for help and then also doing the inner personal work for themselves. Um, 
And I'm hopeful. I'm really hopeful that this continues, that um, because there are several celebrities and because men's work is sort of becoming mainstream um, in our culture, that more and more men will see an opportunity for themselves to be in spaces like this so that they can heal. Powerful. Wow. Mike, have you seen a rise in folks contemplating suicide? I mean, I think that the the positive side of the pandemic is that people are waking up. And I think maybe the shadow side or the the more negative side is that some people who are not um, asking for help or maybe who are asking for help but feel that it's a dire circumstance. I'm just, you know, curious if if you've noticed that there's been an increase in the contemplation or, you know, depression um, and, and sort of like what your advice is to folks out there who might be going through really difficult times. You know, I could tell you that personally in San Francisco, there's been a, a quite an uptick of uh, folks who are really suffering in this last year and, and don't have an outlet. So yeah, I'm just curious. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm, I don't know the current stats on the suicide rates right now. Um, I do know that the highest demographic of suicides in America are committed by men ages 45 to 65, um, and they're mostly white men. Um, and I also know that men um, are three times more likely to die from suicide. Um, I, I think the statistic is that it's pretty equal between genders of um, the uh, suicidal ideation, but also the suicide attempts, but more men uh, commit suicide and are more successful at suicide because they use lethal force like guns. Um, whereas other genders might tend to use pills to commit suicide and that doesn't always work. Um, so I don't know the current numbers for, um, suicide attempts and suicide, uh, successful suicides in America right now, or even in the world. Um, I would say that it's probably around the same. Um, and, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really hopeful that because there are so many more men's organizations out there that are empowering men to step into themselves and to own themselves as human beings, that we're going to see more and more men um, more likely to get some help and to um, live healthier lives uh, and become better leaders for themselves and for their families. Amazing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And Mike, can you talk to us about how you keep yourself healthy in all aspects of life, not just emotional? So you've obviously done a lot of somatic work. I would love to hear, you know, your your journey um, on the work that you're you've done on yourself and you're continuing to do on yourself. And I think it'd be really interesting to also hear a little bit about your rituals, like what your what your practices are to maintain that mental health, that emotional health, that physical health every day. Yeah. So um, what's really important to me and for my husband is the boundaries we set for ourselves and what that means with our work-life balance. And um, that means that we are, one, we are honoring ourselves first and we're taking care of ourselves first and we're prioritizing our relationship. And what that looks like is us setting clear boundaries around work and what it 
means for us to completely unplug and be with each other um, for an extended period of time or for a time that we've decided on. Um, and so I have these daily vitamins that I really honor in my life. And these daily vitamins consist of my morning and evening rituals. Uh, my morning ritual consists of um, drinking water. The first thing that I do in the morning is I drink water. Um, I journal a page, and that takes me about 30 minutes. And then I meditate for 15 to 20 minutes. And then I move my body. And what I'm really honoring here is what I would consider the five pillars of health, which is um, nutrition, water, sleep, how much rest you get, um, movement, intentional movement in your body, and then also connection, uh, which means human-to-human -human connection. And so in my rituals, I try to honor that all those five pillars. Um, and so I have my morning ritual. I take care of myself. I, I literally wake up between 5 and 6 a.m. I wake up. I don't set an alarm. I wake up when my body wants to wake up and I get out of bed. And that usually gives me about five, four to five hours before I have to actually start work. So I have four to five hours by myself where I get to do whatever I need to do in order for me to be present for my husband and present for the work that I do with my clients and the men's groups that I facilitate. Um, and this is really important to me because this allows me to um, really ground myself, to start my day calm. Uh, my, my mantra in 2021 is slow and calm, rest and restore. And so I'm really honoring my body this year by taking my time, by starting my day slow, um, by setting clear boundaries around work, um, and, um, uh, my personal life. Um, and throughout my day, um, I'm, I'm taking my daily vitamins. I'm taking intentional deep breaths. I am um, uh, connecting with people. I am moving my body. I'm, I, I actually fast. And lately I've been doing, um, my husband and I have been doing like 18 to 21 hour fasts every day. And that's increased my energy significantly. Also increased my ability to be present in my day. Um, and then I have an evening ritual. And I think so. I think the morning ritual is like, it's like such a, it, it, a lot of people talk about the, even, the morning ritual, but not too many people talk about an evening ritual. And this is so important to me because I give a lot of my energy, especially as a healer, as a coach, or as, as a person that holds space for people. I give a lot of my energy. And part of my evening ritual is first cleaning up my space because I believe a cluttered space is a cluttered mind. So I have to make sure that when I enter my workspace the following day, it looks calm, it looks organized, so that I'm not coming into chaos um, at the start of my day. Um, I organize my space. I turn off all the tabs in my computer. I shut down my computer. Um, and then I do a evening meditation. Sometimes that's by myself, um, and sometimes that's with my husband. And in that evening meditation, I call back my energy that I gave out um, and I give gratitude to all the people that I connected with over the day. Um, and then I put my phone on do not disturb and I join my husband for dinner and we hang out for the rest of the evening. And it's quite energizing and beautiful. And because we wake up at 5, 6 a.m., our bodies are naturally tired 
at like 8.30, 9, 9.30. And so we are in bed by 9.30, which then allows our bodies to get into the circadian rhythm of, cool, when the sun goes down, my body gets tired. When the sun starts to come up, I get energy back into my body um, and I can start my day with energy. Mike, it's, that's amazing. I literally have a big smile on my face thinking about your day. It feels <laughs> <laughs> so nourishing and relaxing. And I love, I really love that. I, I think, you know, waking up at that hour, I've been starting to wake up early as well. And it, there's really, you know, such an incredible advantage when you have so much time in the morning because there's no mm-hmm. one calling you or texting you or bother. I mean, no one's even sending emails usually at that hour. So it's just a beautiful time to, to connect with yourself. And I just love that you've created this ritual and you've created this space. Um, so that makes a lot of sense because I have noticed that a lot of people that do hold space, oftentimes they just get burnt out after a while. And mm-hmm. it feels like, I mean, when we spent time together, I just noticed how much energy you have. So was very surprised and in awe of your ability to to really hold space, but also let it go. And doing this do not disturb thing is um, amazing. I think we should all be taking a page yeah. out of your book. <laughs> well, I don't, you know, I don't even check my phone or my email until two hours after I start my day. It is not the first thing that I look at in the morning. And I think that's important, um, especially if, you know, we are consuming information all the time and when we are consuming all this and all this information especially when it's like the first thing that we do right in the morning we are consuming information and taking up willpower in our head we're taking up willpower in our bodies to do things that we need to do and sometimes that can be super distracting for us and so i i need to honor myself by first spending time with myself before i go off and check the news or check Instagram or check my emails. Um, that really allows me to, um, just be, be calm before I get into work. Mm, wow. Very cool. Well, I will be sending your link to as many people as I can. I'm sure you're incredibly booked right now, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's amazing. It's a good, good problem to have. Yeah. Mike, what are some things that have surprised you the most about this journey that you've been on and the work that you've done? Mm, that's a really great question. Um, I think one of the bigger, big things that really surprises me um, or has surprised me in the past is um, the ability for men to deconstruct their belief systems um, over a period of a month, two months, three months, um, just by doing the work. Um, and when I mean the work, I mean like sitting in a one-on-one coaching session. It means going inward. It means introspecting. It means healing the parts of ourselves that know, uh, that are um, traumatized or that are in pain. Um, and the the evolution that can happen in a pretty short period of time a month, two months, three months, six months, um, guys really start to evolve and create the lives that they want in this short, I say short period of time, because if we think about our lifespan, three to six months is nothing compared in retrospect, in, 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 in relationship to our entire life, three to six months is a short time. And so in three to six months, men can do some really deep work for themselves to start the lives that they want. And that 
continues to surprise me. And I think what also surprises me is when guys come into this space and after a session or after a men's group, um, they are just absolutely transformed. They are energized in their body. They are, they're clear. Um, they are focused. They have clarity around what they need to do and what they want in their lives. Um, and I see this over and over again. And so I'm surprised that I'm surprised by it uh, because <laughs> I do see it often. Um, but it's like, it's such a nice surprise to have every time I see a guy have a breakthrough like that. Mm, yeah. Amazing. And at any age, right? At any age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I, I think that's important too, because I think sometimes guys feel like, oh, I'm in my fifties and I'm sixties and there's no way that I can get some help right now. And that's absolutely false, right? We can change our, we can change no matter how old we are, we have brains that are um, that are malleable, that form in, and can change the way we want them to change. Um, I mean, Carol Dwecks talks about this and growth and fixed mindsets, right? We we have the ability to create new neural pathways in our mind and in our bodies, so that we can continue to evolve. Such such great work. What are some books or resources that inspired you on this path? Like what are you, what are you reading right now? And what could be helpful to folks as they're exploring their own journey? Mm -hmm. So I just finished, um, Bessel van der Kolk's book, uh, the body keeps the score. Um, I think this is a really powerful book for anyone that's in this coaching space or healing space, but also for anyone that has experience and has been a survivor of trauma. Um, uh, he really goes into research and talks about um, how our bodies do store trauma, and we have to get into our bodies to really complete that process of healing. Um, and uh, I also highly, highly recommend Becoming Supernatural by Dr. Joe Dispenza, um, a really beautiful book that, um, you know, I, I've read books like The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer, um, which I totally get and understand, and it resonates um, and it, and it's, it's a, a lot of this like spiritual connection with the self and with others and keeping our heart open. Um, but what I really love about Joe Dispenza's work is that it's data driven, that he provides research in, in his, um, in his practice. Uh, and so in becoming supernatural, basically, if I could give you a one liner for it, it is our thoughts impact our physiology. And our physiology impact our thoughts. And so whatever we think will impact our physiology. So if we think destructive thoughts, often we're destroying our bodies. And if we're, and if we're thinking constructive thoughts, um, we are healing our bodies. And our bodies have a... Um, as a, have a natural way of healing itself. That wasn't one line. Um, I was not <laughs> concise in that. Um, that was but go pick that book up. <laughs> I love it. No, that was great. Um, That's great, Mike. <laughs> And right now I'm reading um, Andrew Reiner's book, Better Boys, Better Men. Um, and this is a powerful, I'm only about a hundred pages in, um, but it is a powerful, powerful book for any person that has boys in their life or wants to have a son in their life or works with boys um, or works with men. Um, it's a really, really beautiful um, book on masculinity and how our cultural, uh, how our culture has formed, um, has basically influenced our thoughts, uh, and what it means to be a man. Um, but also his last, his last chapter is about 
how we can start to heal that process um, in our culture. Wow. Better boys, better men. I've not heard of that. I will add that to the mm-hmm. queue. Amazing. Mike, uh, what is the kind of last takeaway you want to tell our listeners about their wellness, their well-being? What's what's your main takeaway in general on your work and, and in, in the realm of wellness? Mm-hmm. So I think one of the keys to um, wellness is our emotions and developing a relationship with our emotions. And what I'm talking about is basically emotional awareness um, and having the ability to observe our emotions and become aware of how our emotions um, respond in our life, how we respond to our emotions in our life. Um, emotional awareness is the lessons that we learn from our emotions and the emotional responses that we have. And emotional intelligence is taking those lessons and creating action in our lives. And so I also believe that we are all eternal in internally and eternally and infinitely wise in our bodies. And so when we can tap into our bodies, our bodies are constantly telling us what we need. And so if we can relearn how to listen to our bodies, we then um, naturally start to learn how to develop emotional awareness and to naturally become that emotionally intelligent people in this world. And today, emotional intelligence is a greater indicator of success than IQ is. And so um, I think it's incredibly important for us in this personal development journey or this personal wellness journey to um, become emotionally aware. Mm, Yeah. And what's better than to show up as your best self, right? In whatever capacity, Mm -hmm. whatever situation that you're in. So Mike, thank you so much. You are doing such important work. I got a lot of chills during this conversation. It really uh, Mm. moved me deeply to see the way that you are showing up in this world. And where can people find you? Where's uh, the best place to find you? Yeah. So um, I spend most of my time on Instagram. So you can find me at mike.sagoon, S-A-G-U-N. Um, and then, of course, Clubhouse is a new thing. Uh, so <laughs> we're on Clubhouse, uh, the same same handle, Mike.Sagoon. Um, and every Monday we host uh, an Everyman Hour um, where we talk about the things that I just talked about um, with other men in our community. Um, and you can also log on, my web- log on to my website at MikeSagoon.com. That's also where you'll be able to um, schedule an intro call with me. Amazing. Amazing. Mike, thank you so much for your time. This has been such a pleasure and learned a lot. And I think it's going to help a lot of people. So thank you so much. And thank you so much. Yes, me. This was a great opportunity. This was so much fun. Awesome. For our audience, thanks for joining and for listening. In this episode, we learned about how to be a conscious male in today's world with Mike Sagoon, and you can tune in to Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness, well-being, and spirituality. Thanks again.